come to bless the Lord. Let's stand together. Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise in this house today. Amen. It's bad when you got to have a microphone on and you forget to put the mic on. But I'm getting pretty good at it, aren't I? Ran it through the back and everything. That's, that's skill right there. Thank you. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Aren't you glad to be saved by the blood of the Lamb? Amen. Hallelujah. So good to see you. Our first time guests are here today. We welcome you. For all of our um, regular folks that are here, we thank you for being here with us today. Looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in this service. I do want to mention 100 days to glory. Are y'all ready for this? Today, it's kind of all, it's kind of, it feels like a coincidence, but I guess it's not. So this Sunday is the 100th day to glory. All right, this is the day that we celebrate what God has done, what God is going to do, and so today is that 100th day, so I just feel like that God must have something special for us in this service today. This is the day, the 100th day, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us in this service in a way that we've never seen before. So that means starting tomorrow, as I told everybody, the things that you did, the prayer, the, the reading, the 100 minutes a week, and the the random acts of kindness, keep that stuff going. That's just good habits to have in your Christian routine and in your Christian life. But um, as far as the one thing that you gave up, I had a couple people that are going to be super achievers, overachievers as I call them, and they're going to go on with it. God bless you. I wish you the best. But tomorrow, this old boy is going to have a sweet tea. Praise his name. And a Coke or Diet Coke or some kind of something that is different than water. I love water, but I'm going to tell you something. After a while, it just gets kind of bland. You just get tired of it, all right? Today, Junior Talent Lunch and Practice until 2.30 p.m. I pray for the kids as they prepare. They're getting very, very close to the competition. And so be in prayer for them. And then the Gap, um, the Gap Widows will meet this coming Tuesday, April 12th at 12 o'clock noon. They'll have lunch together, soup, cornbread, dessert, along with Bible study, fellowship, games, and surprises. So that sounds really, really fun. So, Father, today I pray for your anointing. I pray that you would infiltrate this building. I pray that you would touch the words of my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. 
use me to say the right things, whatever you know your people need to hear today, I am asking you to bring that to me so that I can be a blessing to them. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may sit the floor if you would, brother. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 is where we're going to be going this morning. Uh, I, I've been, I know today's Palm Sunday and we're working towards Easter and all of that. I understand that. But today I'm going to be dealing with what I'll call the um, spiritual warfare series. I pick at my friends, all these pastors that do these 25-week series, as I pick at them all the time. And Lord, behold, if I don't start one, unbeknowing, I guess God's getting me back and laughing at the same time. But uh, for the last several weeks, as many of you know, we have been dealing with the fact of spiritual warfare. On 320, we talked on a sermon entitled, Atmosphere is Everything, right? Being in the right atmosphere. We talked in that sermon about spiritual warfare and the things that are going on above our heads right now that we can't even see with physical eyes. But if we could see in the spirit, the warfare that Satan is bringing against people in this house right now, it would absolutely blow our minds. We talked on 327 about being hindered, but I am not defeated. We talked last week, which was a, a service that I thoroughly enjoyed, and it was, if you haven't, wasn't, if you weren't able to be here, you ought to go watch it on Facebook. It was entitled, Spirits That Are Set Against the Church. We talked about the Jezebel spirit, the Herodias spirit, and the Michael spirit that tries to silence our praise and our voice. Again, spiritual warfare. So today I'm going to be dealing with the topic, I Give You Authority. So this is probably going to be the last of this, and we'll go to Easter next week and all of those things, and it'll be a happy day. But today I want to leave and close this thing out with this spiritual warfare to let you know that Jesus said, I give you authority. Are y'all ready to receive that authority today that Jesus has given you? Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Behold, this is Jesus speaking words of bread. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Don't take it easy on the devil. Does anybody understand what trample means? When you trample something underfoot, you're stomping it. I mean, you are literally crushing it. So God says when you get ready to attack the enemy. You know, when I went to take my CWP, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I probably got some CWP carriers. As a matter of fact, I know many of you because we got your license in the uh, office there. But, but if you're a CWP carrier, the one thing the guy taught me was this. He said, if you ever pull out your weapon, he said, you better be ready to use it. He said, because if you, and this was an overtired cop at the time. He said, if you don't use it on them, they're going to use one on you. What he was saying is at the time that you pulled out, that means no mercy. Action. It's time to go. And I'm telling some of us, I feel like sometimes that we, we play twinkle toes with the devil. And, and, we, and we just play ballerina style, you know, just kind of tippy-toe all around him. But God says, what I'm going to give you authority to do, I don't need you to walk up to the devil half-loaded. I need you to walk up and I need you ready in full attack mode. And I want you to literally trample on your enemy. That means no mercy. Let me tell you something. He, he don't have any mercy for you. He doesn't have any mercy for your children. He doesn't have any mercy for your marriage. So you should not have one minute of mercy for him. God said, I give you authority. Trample on serpents. That's what we talked about last week. The devil's a serpent. The serpent can handle a certain amount of fire. But after a while, when the fire gets too hot, what happens? The serpent is exposed. 
And then the same fire that caused the enemy or the snake to come out of the fire is the same fire that we're going to shake the enemy off into that's going to consume him. He says, tread on serpents and on scorpions. He said, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt or harm you. It was Field Marshal Montgomery that said it this way, and I quote, he was the commander of Allied forces in the North African campaign against the Nazis, which was a rough bunch. He said, if you know yourself, and if you know your adversary clearly, then in 100 battles, you can win 100 times. you got to know your enemy. And you got to know him well. Understand with me that the Apostle Paul was emphasizing uh, to us that we must forgive the sinner. And then he explains in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He goes on and he talks about showing forgiveness to those people that have mistreated us. And he uses a term, he said, in order that Satan may not outwit us or outsmart us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Another version said, we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, when I look at the word schemes, it means strategy. It means attack. It means tactics. It means cunning. It means plans. It means purposes that the enemy has for your life. Now, I want somebody to understand. I say this all the time, but I feel it so strongly. We understand Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you, most of you have got it hung on your wall at your house. It's in my office in there, I believe. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're good and not evil. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And so we understand that God has plans for our lives. But the one thing that I want you to understand is while God has plans for your life, your enemy, Satan, the devil, has plans for your life. God has plans for you to be a man of God. But the devil's got plans for you to be an old drunk on the corner somewhere. Come on, somebody. I mean, God's got plans for, for us to be the greatest church in this area. But, but you know what the devil has? He has plans to destroy. A matter of fact, he is all the time cunning. He is all the time working behind the scenes. We don't even realize it sometimes. He plants those seeds when somebody may say something or do something that may just rub us wrong. And we think, well, who do they think they are? What? And Satan says, see you there, look at what they're trying to do. All of that the whole time is the plans that Satan is working behind the scenes. So Paul says, as a child of God, you've got to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You have authority over the enemy. And you cannot allow him to trample you underfoot. You've got to trample him. Don't allow the devil's purpose to prevail in your life. That is not God's will. And so in our text, the disciples have come to Jesus. They're elated. That means they are so super excited at the power that Christ has given to them. And they said to him, said, even the demons submit to us when we use your name. So they've been walking around town, talking about in the name of Jesus. And the devil's been, whoo, whoo, I know that name. And so they're so excited because of this. And uh, then Christ says to them, in verse 19, he says, I want you to understand that I'm the one that's given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Of course, he's referring to demons, which are, are fallen angels who seek to destroy humanity. We are the, listen, we are the redeeming, we are the apple of God's eye. Everybody in this building today, do you understand how God views you? You are his masterpiece. 
I don't care what that kid at school said about you. You're God's masterpiece. I don't care what that person on the job thinks about you and says behind your back. In the eyes of God, you are His masterpiece. And God loves you more than any person this world will ever love. And your husband, your wife, your chick. There is nobody on the face of this earth or this planet that is going to love you and I like Jesus loves us. I mean, we are the object of His love. We are the ones that He has affection for. So I'm telling you, we are the object of God's redeeming love because of what He did when He died on Calvary. So doesn't that make perfect sense that if Satan can't defeat God and if he can't destroy the plans of God for my life in the way that he wants to and taking away salvation or what have you, what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to get into my life and through me, he's going to hurt God. And that's why when I disobey, Satan's laughing because I have hurt the heart of God. Do you understand? This is the way Satan works. He works to hurt God through us because he can't fight him. He's already went head to head with God. And he ended up being cast down to this earth. And he knows that in the end he's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit where the beast and the false prophet and day and night they're going to sit in there and gnash their teeth just like everybody else that rejected the love of Jesus Christ. He knows that day is coming. So the only way that he can get to God is through me. We are the object of God's love. That's how much God loves us. So when we look at the New Testament, 80 references to demons, 6 to evil spirits, 23 to unclean spirits. They all are terms for demons or demonic forces. Scripture gives us different names for these demons, revealing their work and their activity. In 1 Samuel, they are called familiar spirits. In 1 Timothy, they are called a seducing spirit that seduces us to do wrong. In Acts 16, it is a spirit of divination. That's that palm reading. That's telling people their future by divination. He calls it in Luke 13, the woman with the issue of blood had the spirit of what? Infirmity. It was a spirit of sickness that had latched on to her. But Jesus delivered her from it. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6, he said that it's the spirit of falsehood in our lives. However, God said to his disciples, regardless of all of this, authority. Authority is a word I need you to look at today. Because authority means that we have the right to exercise power. Which has been given to us, not by our friends, but by Jesus Christ Himself. Understand with me. Look at Mark 1.27. Let me show you what the Bible said. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves. What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with what authority He commands every unclean spirit. And they simply obey Him. This is the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Authority is the power or the right to give orders and enforce obedience. Did you grab that? That means when you have authority, they don't have an option. They enforce you to get in line or else. And this is exactly no wonder. I understand it now. No wonder when Jesus walked on the shore of the Gadarenes. No wonder a man that was possessed with 2,000 plus demons ran to his feet before Jesus ever said a word. What did that demon do? Or those demons? They fell at his feet. 
and said, have you come to torment us before our time? Is somebody hearing what I'm telling you today? That is what you call authority. And all he has to do is speak the word. And when he speaks the word, over 2,000 demons have to leave. Matthew 28, 18. This is to you, children of God. And Jesus came and spoke to them said, All authority has been given to me in earth, in heaven and in earth. But look at what he said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So what Jesus has done in this scripture, he is leaving, but he imparts on them an anointing. He leaves an impartation of his spirit behind. And he leaves behind for them this beautiful word called authority. See, there's three things that authority means today. And i got to hurry to get it all in. Authority means power. Jesus doesn't say we won't have battles because we will. He doesn't say that we won't have troubles because we will. But the one thing that he promised to every child of God that is blood covered. He said you will overcome all the power of your enemy. It doesn't matter what the devil does, what he brings against you, your family, your children, this house. He says we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Here are five ways that evil forces attack God's people. The devil, according to Matthew 4, he can tempt you. Jesus was led, and I don't have time to preach this, it's interesting. But Jesus was led by the spirits. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we don't have time to break that scripture down. But it's a quite an interesting read and study. But the spirit leads him to this place. It is here that the evil forces begin to tempt Jesus himself. The devil can tempt us too. In 2 Corinthians it is to deceive. Just like Eve as we talked about in the first sermon early on in this. Series. It was about the deceit that, that Satan said, hath God really said? And, and he talked her into doing wrong. And then we have discouragement. We can read about it in Corinthians chapter 12 with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, a powerful man of God. He's a God that's rebuked devils. He's a God that walks in power. He's a God that walks with authority. But even the Apostle Paul said in chapter 12, he said, there is this thorn in my flesh. Anybody remember reading that? What did he say? He said, it is a messenger of Satan. A demon that has been sent to buffet or to torment, to aggravate, to nag at me. This spirit has latched on and I've asked God, let this thing be gone. But God said, son, that you won't be exalted or get prideful. You're going to have to deal with this thorn in the flesh. There's times that God allows the devil to aggravate us. Because first off, he wants to see if we truly will walk in this anointing and power. Understanding that Satan can only do so much to us. And at that point that God says enough is enough, the devil has to cease immediately. He can go. It was like the ocean. When the ocean came, God said, I'm going to let you go to this point and you're going to go back to this point. And that is exactly what the limitations are the de- of the devil are with everyone in this building. God has told the devil, you can go so far. 
And you can discourage them so much. You can buffet them this much. But at that point, it stops. Satan can work against us with a nasty word called oppression. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? With power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Do you understand what oppression is? Oppression is mental pressure. Oppression, it could be broken down into a word that we all understand. It is called stress. But when Jesus got out in the crowd, there were people that came to him and they were burdened and heavy laden. But when they came to Jesus, he fulfilled what he told them. Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'm going to give you rest. Hallelujah. And through the power of God, he said, for God was with me. He said, everybody that was oppressed with that evil spirit, everybody that came up with depression on their life, that Jesus took authority. And with the power of the Holy Ghost, he said, you be loosed in Jesus' name. And he Immediately, the demons had to flee. See, I think there's some of us today that we need to simply rebuke that spirit of oppression. If you're staying up at night in your bed and you can't sleep because you're worried about stuff, that's a demon of oppression over your life. We need to rebuke that mess off right now. Because it doesn't have the authority, my God have mercy, to stay there any longer. According to Revelation chapter 12, the devil has the power to accuse you. For the Bible said he is an accuser of the brethren. That means he can claim that someone has done something wrong that they really haven't. Just trying to make you doubt your position with Christ. Trying to make you doubt your salvation. Make you doubt your worthiness to even be in this house today. But Revelation 12, 11 said, But they overcame him by the word of their testimony. And guess what else? By the blood of the Lamb. Authority, folks, means that you have power over the enemy. Authority. Point number two. Authority means protection. I love this. Because I need protection sometimes from my enemy. Jesus says nothing will harm you. Now, if I was to break nothing down into two words, what would it be? No thing. No thing shall harm or hurt you. That means no person, no place, no thing. You name them all, none of them can harm you. I love the story of Job because I love that when Satan was trying to get to Job before the temptation... Why could he not get to him? Protection. Anybody still with me? He had the authority of Christ in his life. And authority meant he was protected from the enemy. It was only when God said, I'm going to let you buffet him a little more like he did with Paul. I'm going to let the thorn in the flesh. I'm going to let the enemy come against you just to see what you're going to do, how strong you are, if you're still going to stand through the tests and through the storm. But he said, no thing is going to harm you. It means protection. It doesn't mean we won't experience pains in life. But, but see, what, what they saw was even the eternal salvation in this sense, that many of these people, like the Apostle Paul, he understood that even if he had the face martyrdom that it was okay because God was protecting him from this wicked world 
God would be doing us a favor to take us from this land to the other land. No, 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 no. Now see, I was reading my Bible the other day. Let me just help y'all real quick. I was reading my Bible the other day and watching the news. Don't combine the two. Don't ever do that. That's straight from hell itself. The two just don't go together. Read my Bible, look at news. And I, I came across something in the middle. Maybe it was God. But, but it came to me because I was sitting there watching. I was listening to all the negativity. I was listening to the wars and, and, and how do we need peace and this and that and the other. And, and gas prices and inflation at 10%. And I'm hearing all this negative news. And, and you know what I just said? I understood what John the Revelator meant when he used the words. He said there is going to come a day in the church. When people are going to quit praying, oh, just let us stay here a little longer. Oh, let's just stay. He said there's coming a day that the children of God are going to start saying these words. Even so come Lord Jesus. And I want to tell somebody, I'm afraid that's where we are today. Because this whole world ain't got nothing for me. I'm ready to go to the other land. How about you, somebody? So he says we're going to get to this place that even so, but, but, but we aren't harmed by evil powers in the sense we are protected against destruction. Meaning the devil can't destroy what God has given you. You can give it up by sin. You can give up your talent and hand it over to the devil on a silver platter and use it for his business. Alright, if you want to give it up by sin, you can. But the devil, the enemy, cannot take it away from you. It is much like your salvation. Satan can't have your salvation. You've got to be willing to walk away from Jesus Christ and denounce that He is the Son of God in your life. And that's a scary place to be when you think about it. It's a scary place to be. And then you become a reprobate, an apostate, as the Bible calls it. And the Apostle Paul at that point was turning people over to Satan when they were willing to say, I don't accept Christ any longer after they had known Him. So that's how serious God takes our salvation. He don't take it lightly. I'm just going to lay it down today. I'll pick it up next week. That God's a lot more serious about this. He died and shed his blood so that we could have this wonderful gift. You see in John 10, 10 when Jesus said, He said, the devil cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That message is not to the child of God. Satan cannot steal from you. Satan cannot kill you. Satan cannot destroy you. You know who that message is to? The sinner. He's seeking to destroy your life. Because the Christian has authority. And it means protection from all of this destruction that's going on. Listen, understand, a word of caution must be in order that we can open a door for a satanic attack if we don't guard ourselves. A matter of fact, Ephesians 4 has already told us, the Apostle Paul said, we are not to give the devil a foothold. Do you know what a foothold is? A foothold means secure footing. Everybody with me? Secure footings when you plant it down in the ground. Some of those boys play softball, some of them wear cleats. I just run around and slide like a madman with regular tennis shoes on. I'm learning they have secure footing. I don't. But I'm going to tell you this, and this is the truth. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Tug of War. Anybody? I got a rope in the back. I want to play real quick just for example purposes. I mean, if you wanted to have an illustration here, me versus Brian or something. But I remember you get that 
tug of war. Johnny, you, you played it, haven't you? I mean, used to, ain't that all y'all had to do? Basically, find a rope in the yard and pull. And so you're sitting there and you draw a line in the sand. And you say, whoever crosses this line loses the game. And then everybody put their feet down on the ground. And they begin to tug. And they begin to war. And they begin to fight. But you know what I found? When somebody begin to stumble, do you know what you do? I'm mean, like, hey, bro, I'm just going to wait a few minutes. Can y'all get that thing back together and we'll start the game over? If you do like that, man, you are not a good winner. Come on. I mean, that's just horrible. You, you got to reevaluate your life, all right? And your value system if that's how you operate. You take advantage when the enemy is falling. That's right. I just called the other side the enemy because at this moment, that's what they are. And when they begin to stagger and they begin to stumble, I grab that rope and I begin to yank just as hard as I can until we pull. See, I want you to understand, this is what God is saying or what Paul is telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He is saying you've got to be careful because you are in a battle. And there's times that you're going to go to stumbling. And if you're not careful, the devil's going to get some secure footing on you and he's going to pull you down. That's why my footing is not founded in this world. That's why my footing is not found on a song we sang this morning. My footing is not found on the testimony from one of you brothers or sisters. My footing is found on the word of Almighty God. And that's why I quote it. That's why I use it. My footing is found in the authority that's inside of me. Oh, God have mercy. So, Satan wants to keep us off balance. That's why it's so important that you keep praying. You, you, you don't feel like reading your Bible. You're tired of it. You, you got a headache. You just put your footing down. You keep reading your Bible. I mean, you don't understand why fasting's so important. But when you do it, you'll have a spiritual breakthrough. I promise you, you just keep fasting. Because what you were doing is you were getting the foothold, the stronghold, instead of giving it to him. Oh my God, Hammer. So Jesus said, the prince, this is nearing crucifixion. This is Palm Sunday. I know it. This is when they laid out the palm leaves, said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of God in the highest. And Jesus would end up going to the cross. The same people that praised him a few days before are the same people that cried, Hosanna, are the same people crying, crucify him, give us Barabbas. So if you feel betrayed today, Jesus knows what betrayal really is. He's had it. Jesus went on to say, the prince of this world, which is Satan. Do you know what he said to his disciples? I love this. He's telling them, oh, I'm going to die. And this, that, uh, but he said these words. He said, the prince of this world, he has no hold on me. That means that I am protected. I've still got authority over him. My God, have mercy. Somebody in this building needs to go ahead and make the same affirmation. You need to say Satan has no hold over me. You need to say Satan has no hold on this marriage. Satan has nothing on my kids. Has nothing on my life. He doesn't have a hold on my bank account. He doesn't have a hold on my anxiety. No, no, no. He has no hold on me. Why? Because of this word authority. That God's given to everyone that says they're saved in this building today. We have protection against the curse. When you are blessed. When you are saved, you're blessed. No one can curse what God has blessed. Just ask Balaam and Balak. 
in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 8, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Look at verse 20. Behold, I have received the command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. See, I want to tell y'all, when the favor of God is on your life, I mean, I, I'm a visualist. I was telling my wife the other day, I'm a visualist. So, so when people say certain things to me, and I'm like, I didn't want to hear that, it's because in my mind, I visualize things. You know, it's just how I process things. And I was sitting there reading that, and I thought to myself, my Lord, let me, let me tell you what that means. I can just see Satan scrambling around. Some of you, because you're having a breakthrough, because God's been blessing you, God's been helping you, the favor of God, and he's been scrambling around, running around saying, how in the world can I reverse it? How can I reverse it? I'm trying to reverse the favor of God. I'm trying to reverse the blessings of God. And he's going back to hell saying, I've tried. I've tried to curse it, but God has blessed it. I can't reverse the blessing oh my god have mercy when you are blessed and you are favored hell seeks to bring a curse but he cannot do it the bible does not teach generational curses are passed down regardless every curse is broken off of our life when we are saved in other words, it doesn't matter if we had three generations of drunks. The curse has been broken from your life in Jesus' name. Protection against the curse. You have protection against invasion. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed for three reasons. I heard one person one time. We were praying for a lady that was demon-possessed. And I remember one person said, I'm just going to leave. Because I don't want to let the devil jump out of them and jump into me. The sad part is that that can happen to sinners. But it cannot happen to believers. If, if, if a demon shows up and shows out and you get scared, you need to realize the authority that God has given you. You are protected against the invasion of the enemy. When he comes to your life and says, oh, I'm going to enter in. All he can see is the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has to back away and say, I can't touch that. I can't mess with him. I mean, he is blessed. Hallelujah. The first thing, you are the temple of God. The temple of the Holy Ghost. Number two, you are protected by the blood of Christ, which they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb in Revelation 12. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means you are stamped, you are marked, you are secure. Now I can understand why the big bad foot could huff and blow, but he could not blow the house down. See, I want you to understand, that's why the lion can roar, but the lion cannot devour. Because I am marked. I am set. You see in the end time. I want you to understand the beast is going to have a mark. The mark could be 666. The number of a man. However that looks is up for debate. But the devil's going to have his mark. But thank God there's going to be 144,000 Jews. That are going to be walking around. You know what God said? The enemy's going to try to kill them. The enemy's going to try to do away with them. But on their head was the mark of God. How many of you are glad today that you've got the mark of God on you? Because in Revelation, He said these are they that have come through great tribulation. And they've had their, their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. There 
is power in the name of Jesus. There's authority and protection against invasion of the enemy in your life. And I'm going to leave you with this and I'm closing. Two more minutes. There's authority means, it means first off power. It means protection. Lastly, it means peace. And I like this. It is mental calm. Anybody need some of that? It's serenity. It is my happy place. <laughs> my wife, she loves decorating. and she's, she's a good decorator. But I decided the other day I was going to get a bath. I don't do that very often. But you know, as you get older and your muscles feel a little sore, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but our tub has this picture right above it. And it says, this is my happy place. And I looked at it the other day and I thought, man, you know what? I don't care about anything right now. <laughs> Phone ringing? I don't care. I ain't answering. I refuse. And 40 minutes until sweat was running down so hard I couldn't hardly stand it anymore. About to go into a heat strike. And then I cared. But until then, I could care less. I made it up in my mind. This is my happy place. Place. It is relaxing. It is time to breathe. It is time to chill out. And I need somebody to understand that there's some of you that need to understand that this right here is your happy place. The devil can fight you always. But my God, when you come into the church of the living God, you ought to say, Whoa. Man, it feels good to be in the house of the Lord. You leave the devil at the door. You leave him behind because we don't invite him in this house. It's just you and Jesus. This altar is the time that you can breathe and say, Thank God, it's my happy place. Authority means peace of mind. The child of God. So the last thing Jesus told his disciples, going to the piano, sir, you're already on the piano. Go ahead and play, please, for me, Susan, there. The last thing that Jesus told his disciples. He told them not to rejoice because the Spirit submitted to his name. He said, but I want you to rejoice because your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Ooh. Now I want to tell you folks something. I like authority. And I love telling the enemy, time for you to get out of here. I've faced demons, real life demons. I've looked people in the eyeball, growl at me like a dog. And had one woman one night, I don't know how many demonic spirits were cast out of that woman. We were sitting there praying for her. And I won't ever forget it. In a manly, like I can't even explain it. She jumped up, we we're down there praying. She said, Poof! And when she did, I ain't lying to you, it scared the living daylights out of me. I mean, I'm just trying to pray, right? Lord, deliver this lady. I'm like, oh, God. But as I was coming back, I'll never forget. I remember it like it was yesterday. As I was coming back, and natural fear had filled my heart. I remember, oh, Brother Byron, the Holy Ghost came on me. I went back at that lady, and I called that demon by name. I said, you have no authority over me. You have no authority over her. In the name of Jesus, you lying spirit, you will come out. That demon came out. I'm telling somebody here today that the protection of God is on your life. And I've been there. And I enjoy those moments when we have authority over the enemy. And God wins the battle. I love those moments. 
And his disciples were exuberant. They were happy. And they're exacerbated. They're so excited. Look at what we've done. Praise God. God says, forget about that. Just be glad that your name's written in the book of life. And I want to tell somebody today, that's real peace right there. And I'm telling you, when this world gets crazy, and when the devil's knocking on my door and humping and pulling, blowing outside my house, that's what I understand today. It's my name is written in blood. And there's no devil in hell that can do anything about it. That's how I'm going to sleep tonight. That's how I'm going to rest in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Let's all stand. I'm closing today. Jesus went on and conquered the greatest enemy of all. Death. So when we physically die, it's not the end of our lives. Just ask the old saints. For in the presence of Jesus, we are eternally. He says to us that our names being written in the book of life guarantees our eternal salvation. Nobody can blot it out, the Bible said. No demon in hell. Not even the devil himself. Can take that away from us. So the recap. Number one. Authority means power. Number two. Authority means protection. And number three. Authority means peace. Now I want you to think about it. Jesus said it. Not me. I'm not just trying to prophesy and make somebody happy today. I am telling you what Jesus has already said over your life. He said I give you authority. That is to every spirit-filled child of God has the blood covered, a.k.a. a Christian, a child of God, whatever you want to call it, one of the king's kids, I don't care how you name it. The point is, at the end of the day, Jesus said to us, to every reader, when you read it, that's what He said, I give you authority. So when you read that scripture, He's talking to you. When I read it, he's talking to me. I give you now. I need you to use that authority that Jesus has given you. I used to, you know, we used to be big on revivals. There's nothing wrong with revivals. I like revivals, but if it's a God revival. But used to, you know, we lived in a church age. Some of you remember this. You couldn't hardly keep people safe for one week. Y'all remember those days? Y'all remember days they get saved at the altar on Sunday and they never came back again? But man, did they shout Sunday morning. Whoa, glory. We thought, man, they're walking in victory. Oh, they might have shook the devil off a little bit, but he latched onto them before they could get out the back door. We used to have those days. You had to go one revival to another revival to try to get what you need. For many people, it was just an emotional stigma. They just wanted to get in a place that they felt like they could really just shout. They could praise God. They could have that moment. Really what they were looking for, I think, was the atmosphere. And there were some people that used to say, man, I'm going through so much. If I can just get to that revival, if I could just get that preacher to pray for me. Come on, somebody. Y'all know y'all have said it before. I have. If I could just get there and get laid hands on. But the older I get, and if I was an evangelist, I wouldn't dare say this because this ain't good for evangelists to say. Because it gets what we try to do. But as a pastor, I'll tell you, as I grow in Christ and grow in my spirit, I'm learning. I don't have to have a preacher lay hands on me. Are y'all ready for this? I don't have to get to a revival down the road to get my victory. 
I don't, and I love Shabbat. Y'all kids just went there. But I don't have to go to Shabbat to come back with victory. I don't have to. You know why? Because I give you authority. See, there's some of you in this house. You are waiting on somebody else to pray until they pray it through. You are waiting on somebody else to help you get to your breakthrough. You're waiting on something else to happen before you can really walk in victory. But what the preacher is telling you today is you need to start rebuking some things off of your life right now today. And whether I get anointing all out or not, you have the authority, if you are in Christ, to speak to your depression today and say, depression, in the name of Jesus, you don't have authority here anymore. Speak to infirmity. You cannot live here anymore. God wants us to make a declaration today. Spiritual warfare. I'm quitting spiritual warfare. This is what I'm leaving you with to close it out. You have authority over the enemy. That's all I need you to know. Sing. Sing. If you want to pray, you can come. If you want to say it, just I don't care. But the altar's open. Do whatever you want. Walk in your peace. Listen. Oh, my victory. Oh, my victory. It lives within me. Come on, brother. Anybody else? Come on. This is your moment. If there's a demon that's trying to hold on to you, to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, I give you authority, Jesus said. I give you authority. Spirit is within me, my victory, my victory.
You're my victory, Lord. You're my victory. 